0: Gabby, if you take your Bibles tonight and and, and turn to, to Psalm 91. Uh for many of you are quite quite familiar with this particular Psalm and um oops. I've got to pick up my stuff. But um, just a just a powerful word. And I want us to take a look at this tonight and 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 this is one of those that that every time we come, there's just a, the the Lord just speaks in a in a different way, and in a, in, a, in a very blessed way. And um, I pray that he'll he'll do that even within within this tonight. And so, if you found Psalm ninety-one, I want to ask you to stand with me as as we read God's word together. We like to honor God's word. There's just something about that seems like that, that we're saying, God, we, we respect you. This word is important. And God, we want to stand and we want to, to give our attention to you. And, you know, when we, when we say the Pledge of Allegiance, we don't see it. When we sing the National Anthem, we don't see it. And how much more is the word of God that we could stand and, and listen? Listen to Psalm 91. Says he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from this snare of the fowler, and he shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the the error that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the Most High, your habitation. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpents you shall trample underfoot." Because he has sent his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray. May God, you take these words and you bless these words. You use them, Father, for your Glory, God, you're so good to us, and I ask you to bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. You know, one of the joys of, of, of knowing God is it's just one of the, it's just the certainty that He's always there. He's going to protect me. And the joy, that brings a joy within our life, and that joy comes from, first of all, that peace that God's always got my backside, He's always there. And not only the peace that, of knowing that God is always there with me, but also just the assurance of knowing because that He's there to protect me, it's because He loves me. I've shared with you so many times, but um, it was really a part of my life that, as a a young boy, there was times that that I'd be fearful or something, but the thing that would bring the greatest peace is, is knowing my daddy was right there or I had a big brother, and that was right there I mean, I thought my brother could whip anything and and um just just the knowing i mean just the knowing that you know as a child you, you And I know this happened to you. It's it's happened to me. It's happened with our children. That you wake up in a bad dream or whatever. And what's more comforting to go uh, and crawl into bed with your mom or your daddy and just snuggle up with them? I don't know how comforting that is for them, but it's a lot for the child. But I can tell you that's a blessing for the parent, the parent also. And that's what we have as children of God. Is we have that blessing of knowing that we always have a heavenly father that we can snuggle up to. That's going to be with us during those particular times. And, and that's what this psalm is all about. We don't really know who wrote this psalm. Many people think it was Moses, just because he was named in the psalm before. But but there's an uncertainty upon uh, upon that, and and we really don't even know the circumstance for which it was written. Just like many times with with some of David's psalms, you know, it writes specifically what, he was in the the, the cave of Abulon, or, or, or after you know that. Um, he, um, that he had been confronted by, by Nathan. We, we know the circumstance from which the psalm flowed. We don't know that. And maybe God had kept that silent because we won't, don't want to look so much at a specific circumstance, but it can really bless us in every circumstance. Now many if, if if not most thinks that this is what's called a messianic psalm, which is really speaking about the Messiah himself and about the trials that he went through but 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 most would also say even though it's a messianic psalm, it can be applied into our own lives itself. I think about this psalm that this is a psalm that um I know that when when David register had was fighting in Iraq and you know he was in some of the, mo- the, the worst situations and David really had a, a tough time. But I know that, that, that Andy had come and he said, we've claimed this psalm over David. And even through that and through David's experience, we found that this was the psalm that, that many, many, many soldiers had claimed and parents had claimed for them. But folks, it's a psalm for you and me too. And I want us to just take it down and just just break some basic things down tonight that um, and, and just kind of just so we don't read so fast through it, but let's just stop and, and ask a few questions. You know, who does this apply to and 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 what is it saying to us? But I want us to first stop and and, and look at that that who is this really being applied to? Because the psalm tells us, you know, who's the beneficiary of this protection that God has given? And it tells us that in the very first verse. And, and I want you to listen to this. It says, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so therefore, these promises not are made, not are made for all people. It specifically identifies those who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. And what does that mean? What does that that language mean? What does that analogy, that metaphor means that, that dwells in the shadow of the Almighty? And folks, it speaks about those who abide. It's not us that just kind of a, have a, 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 a glance and knowledge of God, or, or it's not those of people that, you know, that kind of use um, God as their, 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 their lucky stick that they go and, and pick up when they need him and, and just glance by the church every now and then. It talks about those who abide, those who dwell within the presence of the Lord. There's a lot of people that talk about God and claim Jesus Christ, but folks, they don't dwell in the secret place of the Lord. And and, and this, this specifically is spoken that he who dwells in the secret place, he who lives, he who abides. This is very much the same language that Jesus Christ said, In John the the 13th chapter, or I'm sorry, the 15th chapter. Let me just read you a few verses of of the words of Jesus Christ when he says these words. And listen, abide or dwell or live in me. Abide in me and I in you. And what he's basically saying is if you abide in in me, I'll, I'll abide in you. He says, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and and gathered and, and, and he throws them into the fire and they are burned and But if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done to you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. Man, there's a lot that Jesus Christ said, but it's all about abiding. I think about years ago that that in the ladies' conference, actually, my daughter Carole came, and, and she spoke on abiding in the vine because folks that's where we get our strength that's where not only do we get our strength to bear fruit but also that's where we get the knowledge that we're part of the vine if you're not abiding in the vine then the bible says you're withered if you're not abiding in the secret place of the of the most high then are you really a child of the father and this is used throughout the Psalms. And I, I, let's, let's, let's just look and, well, if you would, just talk, turn back to Psalm 31. We want to, I want to look at two other references of this, this, this idea in Psalm 31 and 32 of speaking about, about that secret place. Psalm 31 and, and let's look at 19 and 20. It says, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you. Isn't that interesting again that God's goodness hasn't been laid up for everybody, it's for those who fear him. See, I think that's such a misunderstanding today that just think that, you know, that people can just, you know, that, oh, God's great and he's going to bless. But folks, he specifically says that these are these promises have been made to a certain people, those who, who, who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, those who abide in the vine, those who fear him. Which, have, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. But then listen to verse 20. For you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. From the plots of man you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of deliverance. Boy, it's just be good to be able to chew on that idea of the secret place of the Most High. The secret place of His presence. I think one thing of that secret place, there's only some places that not everybody gets to go in my own home. People can come visit me, but only those that really know me can go to the certain places. They don't have any business there. It's not opened up to them. But it's for those people who who dwell in the secret place. And I have to ask myself, God, am I one of those people? God, do I know you in such a way that I abide in you and my trust is in you and, and, and you have hidden me in those secret places that only you know where they are? But let's just move on that Let's look at the confidence of 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 God's protection. of, of, Of this person can say, "He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty," which is a wow, just another beautiful metaphor. That you know that the folks, the only way you can dwell in a shadow is you have to be near to the person, that's casting the shadow. It's that person that, that is near to God, that, that is abiding to God, and, and, um, and, and he continues on, and, and then, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortune. Something I want to bring to your attention here in these two verses. The psalmist used four different names of God. Four different names of God. Let's look at them for just a second. I mean in four different ways he was saying God this is why I know I'm protected. First of all he says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. That's a word called Elion Anytime you see El, that's, a, that's a, it's a word for God. Elion means the most high God. That, that this really is the idea of the, of the preeminence of God, that he's the God above all gods. He's the king above all kings. That there's none other like him. That, that God, that, that I'm, dwell, I'm not just dwelling in the secret place of a king. I'm dwelling in the secret place of the king of kings. Or I'm just not dwelling in the secret place of, um, of a judge. I'm, I'm, I'm in the secret place of the Most High Judge. The God, there's none other like you. There, there's no other greater place that I could be that, that I'm dwelling in in your house. But he doesn't stop there. You think, boy, well, that would be good enough. But he doesn't stop there because he, he goes on, he says, he shall abide under the shadow... Of the Almighty, that is Shaddai, or sometimes we speak El Shaddai. That that represents power, the God of power, the God that that not only am I dwelling in in the press in 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 your presence of the Almighty in the secret place of the Almighty, but I'm also in the shadow of the one or, 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 the, or the shadow of the one that's all-powerful. Anybody that's going to bully me is going to come against the Almighty warrior, the greatest warrior of all. Like I told you, when I, I, I was a kid, and, and Tommy was eight years older than me, and I thought he was just the biggest, baddest thing in the world. A little story I've, I've shared with you before, but kind of gives you an idea of how big and bad I, he was. That I'd, I I'd went to the, the movies, and they, they shouldn't have let me go. I was always spooky, but it was a Frankenstein in the Ed Ray Theater, and and um, and came home and was scared to death. And I had a cousin; his name was David. And um, and he, he 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 was staying with us during the summer, and he told me that Frankenstein. There's a man in Lake City that had created a Frankenstein, and I was scared to death. I was scared to death. But then I told him, I said, I don't have to worry about Frankenstein because Tommy, you take care of me, and David says he's better than Tommy. And see, I was left without hope because, because my, my, my warrior, you know, wasn't as, as, as bad as I thought he was. David was a bad guy, you know. Now, I'm teasing you, but you know, in the mind of a child. But folks, just think about the mind that we have toward God, that, that if we understand God, who he was, he's the biggest bad, hey, compared to him, we have no problems. Everything that we think is a big situation, He's bigger than that. And that's what He's saying, that, that we're in the shadow. We're, we're in the presence of the Almighty. doesn't stop there. And then He says, I will say of the Lord, this is Yahweh, Jehovah. Jehovah was a personal name of God, but it was the name of the promise. That 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 the name that the God revealed to his people, and when he revealed his people, that he revealed promises to his people. And so this is the the idea of promise that, that that God, I'm one of yours. That God, you've made promises to us. The God you you told us that this was going to be so, and 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 Lord, I'm counting on your promises. And 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 that's why he 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 called another way, not only you you not you're the most high god, and not only are you the all powerful god but God you're my god this is um, when um the Lord is my shepherd i mean this is yahweh that this is um yahweh uh, Raah. the Lord is my shepherd and, and god that that i am i am coming to you calling you by your personal name reminding you of your your promises to us, and then he he doesn't even stop there. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust, God, Elohim. This is the provider, God. This is the God that, that is spoken of that created the heavens and the earth. This is the God that 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 planted the garden and placed man in the garden. This is the God that gave man everything he need to to live a a fruitful and a productive and a joyful life and this is the God that's being spoken of the God that that when we don't think we have anything that we're reminded of that God can take nothing and make something out of it and and he can he can take the 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 bible says the that that when, when, when God star, you know created the heavens or just created the heavens and the earth, it was formless, it was void, that there was nothing there. But God took all that mass that that, that just seemed impossible, and He brought it all together. And folks, he, he, he took what would be considered just a mess and made something beautiful out of it. And this is the God who He's spoken to. See what He's done in those two verses? In four different ways. He spoke about the greatness of the God who I am trusting to protect me. I think that's one of the great joys that we have, and and um, if you've never re- read it, I encourage you to do that. K. Arthur wrote a tremendous book several years ago um, that that talks that that speaks on the names of God. What's the name of that book? You're not for me, um, but it's amazing that that when you begin to just stop and begin to meditate upon the names of God, what a blessing! But let's listen to what he also describes God as. God, you're my refuge. And God, you're my fortress. Isn't it interesting that he uses two terms there? Refuge and fortress. Refuge is that place where we run to for protection. That place that, that that's just a refuge. Um, many times we think of our home that, that at the end of the day to just come to home because my, that's my place of peace. That's my my place of refuge. And it's sad that many homes aren't refuges, but but that's what God should make the home. And when children come from a it's just a tough day that they that they, they, they come home. There's, there's there should be peace, refuge whether and, and, and that's how it should be. Or when, you know, a person there there's talks about cities of refuge within Israel that if someone got in trouble they could run to a city of refuge before people acted um Wildly, or um, but then they could they could get, they could find justice there. They could run to that city of refuge and be protected. But he but he also says fortress. And and this is a this is kind of a refuge that is on steroids. Think of a castle that you know when a when a when a, a land was being. Attacked, then everybody would run to the castle. And you, I got it drawn in my mind. You know, they'd all, there'd be a castle with huge walls. And um, uh, you, you kind of saw that in um, Return of the King in the, in the, um, uh, and the, and the, and where there'd be a great moat there. People would run across the bridge. And when everybody got in, the, the gates would be pulled up. And it's a place that, that there was also provision there that you could go and you could lock yourself in there. and You could be protected from, from all the, the, the battle that's on the outside and be provided for. And that's what he's saying, that God, that you're, you're the place I can go to be protected, but also you're a stronghold. You're that castle that I can run into, that pavilion that I can run into. And remember that when we run into him, he'll put us in a secret place. He's got got secret hiding places for us. There's just so much imagery that's being used in this particular psalm. But let's just, just walk on down it. He says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from, from any of those things that, that are trying to catch us. When I think about that, I just think about the world that we live in, that they got, there's, folks are so many traps for us. As a young person, there were so many traps that, boy, there's that trap that, that we're getting advertised everywhere that, hey, man, it's Miller time or, you know, that, that it just seems like, boy, if you really want to have fun, if you want to have you, you've got to pop a top, you've got to come. And, and you and folks, that's a trap. It looks fun, and, and be frank, sends fun for a little bit. But once it's got in there feeding you off of that, it traps you. There's such a trap today with and, and it's always been there. I, I've got to be reminded about people's always been people. We we talk about how bad things are today, but folks have always been bad. All we have to do is read in the Bible, and we can find, we can find things in the Bible, and I think, man, I've never heard of that. But the sexual temptation, the the you know, the, the in in the book of Proverbs, it speaks about. You know, the harlot's just just leaning over and calling out to the young men, come and, and drink of my cup. And and man, that that's pretty entrapping to a young guy. So that he could be lured in and destroyed. The trap of money, the trap of success, that that, hey, you know, that you need a bigger, better, this, and people just just operate, just making sure they get more. And then one day they look back and it's all gone. I mean, what was it worth? It destroyed their family. It destroyed their their health. The snare of the fowler. The fowler's the one that puts those traps there to catch mindless birds. Folks, we're all mindless birds without Christ. But then he, he comes in from the perilous pestilence, talking about just just um, deathly diseases. But listen again to this imagery. That he shall cover you with his feathers, and under the wings you shall take refuge. All you have to be around is a henny, a hen, With biddies and let something go, you know exactly what this them biddies head for mama. They all tuck up under those wings. And folks, we serve the great God that we can be found under his wings. And then he says his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Speaking of great shields, you shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor the air by that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction. What he speaks about is when does God provide this protection? He's saying all the time. It doesn't matter whether it's night time or noonday. It doesn't matter whether it's daylight or dark. God is always. God never takes a nap. God never never takes a break. From his ministry of protecting his children, there's not a time in our lives, whether it be, be be two o'clock in the morning or, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, that if we call out to God, He's always there. Yeah. Folks, that's good stuff. I've tried to to tell young men before. Um, I, I was when I was reading this today, I, I was thinking about one specifically. Did you ever need me? Call me. Well, I've got some of them following calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. But you know what I meant, what I said? I remember just a few years ago, a guy called me at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, Pastor, I just need you to pray for me right now. I'm in a place I don't need to be. I'm so thankful he called me that, that you know, at 2 o'clock, and he even thought about that because he knew he was is on the path he shouldn't be on. And... um Folks, he, he woke me out of my sleep. We don't wake God out of his sleep. And that's what he's saying here. Any time of the day, you can call on me. And he continues on and the surety of his, of his protection. He says, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousands at your right hand but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Isn't that a comfort? Again, the imagery of the great battle that 10,000 may fall at your side, but I want to keep you. In verse nine he says, "Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high of your habitation, no evil shall but be befall you, nor shall any plague come near you. and I love this, I love this, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, that they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone." You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young and the serpent, and you shall trample underfoot. To be frank, I I don't preach on this as much as I should. And sadly, so many people take the idea of angels and they make angels as a a place of worship. But angels are servants. They're ministering spirits. And if God could give us spiritual eyes to see right now that, that we would see angels right in this place that are guarding, that are protecting, that is covering these places, that that, that have taken the prayers that's been prayed here on Monday nights and say, God, you protect our, our church, our sanctuary, and God has his angels right here around you right now. Protecting this place. And we find that throughout Scripture. I mean, the, the Scripture is absolutely full of the folks. You can't believe in Jesus and not believe in angels. You can't believe in demons and not believe in angels. They're, they're, they're real. God created ministering spirits to exalt Him, but also to minister to you and me. And, 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 and do you remember Daniel when he, was, when he was thrown in the lion's den? Who protected him? It was an angel. That was sitting there in Elisha, one of my favorite stories in scripture, when Elisha, the 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 Israelites were fighting the Syrians, and, and and it's like that every time the Syrians moved, that that um that it's like the Israelites already knew it. So the 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 king of a king of Syria brought his advisors and says, guys, there has to be, there has to be a mole here. One of you all have to be telling them what we're doing because they know everything and one of the guys spoke up no there's a guy there's a guy in Israel named Elisha he knows everything and and he says you've got to destroy this guy and 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 Elisha and his and his young man was uh, his, his helper was down in a city named Dothan and they sent a whole army out to 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 capture Elisha and the young man was scared to death and and because this army was 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 there at the gates of Dothan and and Elisha came out and, and prayed, and God opened the young man's eyes, and there was a, there was cherries of fire, all around the city. Man, I just don't that must just make you tingle. God had sent His angels to protect them. Man, you remember when Peter was in prison? It was an angel that kind of poked him out. Peter was asleep, and an angel come and poked him in the side. Peter was just kind of slotted off. He poked him again, and then he opened up all the doors and let him out of prison. Man, that's good. When Jesus was in the temptation, there was ministers that came and angels that came and ministered to him. After he had fasted, after he had, he had fasted those 40 days and 49 there were angels ministering to him. What about children? Matthew eighteen ten says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you, in heaven that their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven Isn't it good to know wherever your children go that God has an angel? Looking over them. That's, that's God's Word. Browsing through the Treasury of David, which is Charles Spurgeon's writings on the Psalms, and he says this. In this passage, he says, he says, he's not speaking about one guardian angel as some fondly dreamed. We all have our one godly angel. What he say? He said, it's not that we all had just one guardian angel, he says, but all the angels here alluded to. God hadn't just divvied out one guardian angel, folks. He's speaking about all of us, host of heaven. They are the bodyguard of the princes. Listen how he describes us. They are the bodyguards of the princes of the blood imperial of heaven. Speaking about you and me. And they have received commission from the Lord and ours to watch carefully over all the interests of the faithful. When men have, char- when, when men have a charge, They become doubly careful and therefore the angels are represented bidden of God Himself to see to it that the elect are secured. It is down in the marching orders of the host of heaven that they take special note of the people who dwell in God. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon is saying. I think we think too little of ourselves. We're the blood-bought children of the King. We're the people that God loves so much that He gave His own son. He, he spilled His own son's blood for you and me. So we're pretty special treasures to God. And God has given His angels the task of taking care of His special treasures. Folks, that's crazy. He has given them a double charge in saying to take care of my blood-bought children. So this psalmist says those precious words. I've always loved that verse in Psalm 34. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I just want to close out with these promises. We talked about who's he speaking to, those who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, those who trust in him. We've talked about the way that he described the Lord in in four different major ways. And we've talked about when will this happen, whether it be night or whether it be day. It's all the time. But listen to then the promises. And also he uses the angels. And then he says, as, as he closes this out, because He has set His love on me, because um, you all, because those who dwell in his, his, his presence have set their love on Him, this is His promises. Therefore, I will deliver Him. I will set Him on high because He has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. With long life I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Folks, that's the promises to those who dwell in the secret places of the Most High. Promise after promise after promise. And so, folks, we can rest in the promises of God. And I encourage you tonight, boy, you may be facing a battle, I I can't even imagine, but God does rest in Him. You may have a burden for somebody. Lay that to the, to the Father. You may be here tonight and God's convicted you that, that God, that's not really speaking to me, Lord. I'm, I've just kind of been dabbling in the things of God, but, Lord, I've really not cast myself to abide in the presence of the Most High. I challenge you tonight to make that commitment tonight, that, God, I'm going to place myself in your presence. I'm gonna seek you. The Bible says if we draw near to God, he'd draw near to us. But folks, what a powerful, powerful message of God's protection and a salvation. It's Holy Spirit speaking to you tonight. Just a minute, I want to ask Terry if he would just 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 play a song. And maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you need to talk, to talk to someone about your salvation. I'm right here. Maybe you just want to come and say, God, let me take this word that you've given let me Let me make it mine. Remember, we don't really know who wrote it, and we don't really know the circumstance, which I really believe that means. Folks, that's for all of us. This Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And folks, the altar's open, and I encourage you to come as, as this song is played. If you need someone to pray with you, We'll pray with you right now.